Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. And welcome to another Geek Town podcast. This week we got to do something special. We went to the red carpet premiere of the second season of Peaky Blinders. For those of you that don't know the show, it stars Killian Murphy as Tommy Shelby, the uh, leader of a gang in Birmingham in the 1920s who were called the Peaky Blinders. The second season uh, teams Killian back up with his Inception co-star, Tom Hardy, who also, of course, played Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. The new season starts on the 2nd of October at uh, 9 o'clock on BBC Two. If you missed the first season, they've been rerunning it over the last few weeks on the BBC, so uh, you should be able to catch it on the iPlayer. Um, I've seen the first episode of the second season now. It's fantastic. Uh, so make sure you catch up. Um, it's well worth watching. The first person we got to talk to at the premiere was um, a guy called Finn Cole. He's the younger brother of um, one of the other actors in the show, Joe Cole, who plays one of the Shelby brothers, the main family. Finn is a newcomer for this season, so I started off by asking him, uh, how did he go about getting the role? Well, it's an, it an interesting, I don't know if you know, a lot of people do know by now, that I'm Joe's younger brother. So, um, Joe, yeah. do, we, do you think we look alike? We never get that, we never get that. Um, no, yeah. In fact, people say those two look more alike than actually me and Joe, which is quite weird. But anyway, uh, yeah, so he got the scripts through, um, said there's a... Stole them, yeah, no, no, for the sex series. He said there's a fantastic character, a young character my age, and obviously I'm into my acting anyway. Um... So we taped a video of me doing it uh, in my front room. Me and him and my younger brother filmed it. And, uh, and we sent that off to his agent, who then sent it off to the casting directors. And then before I knew it, I was in the room with the director and the producer, and we all got along with Storm. And it was, it was just a, it was a, more, it was a really fun experience, and it was really, really nice, really easy going. And that was it, you know, for an, an on set. I play a character called Michael. Um, can't give too much away, but there's uh, Michael is he's had a very different upbringing to the rest of the Peaky Blinders. Uh, and he, you could say he doesn't fit in necessarily in the first place, but he's going to have a massive impact on the future of the gang, and it's uh, it's very exciting to see what where he comes into the storyline. 
Kelly? Working with Kelly is great. Uh, he's the most he's the most down to earth guy. He's the nicest guy. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's just been fantastic. You know, uh, really easy going, and, and, and he's and he's helped me a lot. Um, makes it very very comfortable for me. Sort of first day nerves are out the window as soon as he starts talking because it's he makes everything so so nice and he's really really easy going guy. So no, it's been great. Are you a local lad? I'm not a local lad. No, no, I'm a London. I'm a London. What do you think about it as a city? I love Birmingham. I love the pe I love the people. Everyone's so polite. I'm I was surprised at such a turnout. I didn't think we were saying in the car we're gonna come up here and there's gonna be no one here. We're right. That's what we're right about. No, it's great. People are so so. So nice, and yeah, I love it. I love it. We've um, we didn't actually do any filming in Birmingham, sadly, because uh, well, I don't know why. But it was I, I love it. It's great. Everyone's lovely. I'd like to come here again. <laughs> Thank you very much. So after Finn, the next person we got to talk to was his brother Joe. Um, Joe Cole plays John Shelby, who's the youngest of uh, the three brothers of the main Shelby family. I started off by asking him how's his character evolve between season one and season two. Um, I think John's grown up a lot, you know, he, uh, in the first season he's definitely the victim of uh, his brother's um, ambition and, and, uh, and sometimes you sort of see uh, see how it, that affects him and I think this second series he's grown up and, and he's becoming a, a man and he's making his own decisions and, um, and has his own ideas about what, how things should work a little bit. And has the overall show changed this season? Yeah, I mean, it's just there's more people involved because um, we're trying to take on new gangsters and, and new areas and we're moving out of Birmingham. So um, the core family is, is obviously still the people who are running the, running the show, you know, myself, Wall Anderson and Killian Murphy, the three brothers predominantly. Um, but then you see other people we're bringing in because we need reinforcements and, um, and, we're, and we're building this, uh, this empire. So um, you get to see uh, some exciting new people. How was it having Tom Hardy on set? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think he, he's a he's a real talent, and he comes with a lot of ideas and a lot of energy. Um, and I think people are going to be very, um, you know, typically with with Mr. Hardy, people are going to be very excited about what he's going to produce, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. The next person we got to talk to was the very lovely Helen McCory, um, who uh, was freezing to death out in the uh, red carpet, but. Uh, she was very nice and very pleasant. She plays Aunt Polly, the matriarch of the Shelby family on Peaky Blinders, but you may also know her from uh, the TV show Penny Dreadful, and uh, she was also in the Harry Potter movies as um, uh, the Mrs. Malfoy. Uh, <laughs> the first question I got to ask her was, how does it feel to come back to uh, the show for the second season? I think it's, it's fantastic to come back to a show. You're much more comfortable with the actors because you worked with them for one season already. You understand your character a bit more. And also I think it's a wonderful privilege because then you see how the writers responded to what you've actually done in the first series. Um, and interestingly, we both had the same responses. I really wanted to dirty Polly and bash her up this season. I watched series one. I really enjoyed it, but I really wanted to find a far grittier... Um, harsher, harder element to her and I think we found that in series two and also I've been given the scope this time to really explore Aunt Polly a lot more than I did in series one which is great that um, Steve Knight's given me that opportunity so I really enjoyed coming back. So 
Where are things with the family this season? So we find the family two years later far more uh, established and wealthy and from there they decide to expand down to London and so chaos <laughs> breaks. The hounds are unleashed. Yeah. And how is it having Tom Hardy on set? I have no idea. I never met him. Really? I, no, I, I don't do any scenes with him. I mean, I know him socially. He's yeah. a lovely, gentle gentleman. He's a very sweet man and a nice soul, but I have no idea what he's like to work with. <laughs> Not really. I get to work with Killian. I mean, well, yes, that is true. <laughs> And what are you doing next? I'm doing next. I'm flying out tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. to do Penny Dreadfuls for Showtime. John Logan writing with Timothy Dalton and Eve Green and yeah. So that's what I'm doing. Fantastic. The next person we got to talk to was the main star of the show, Killian Murphy. The first question I wanted to ask him was whether he have a love interest in this season. Uh, if you know how season one ends, you'll know why I asked that question. And uh, here was his answer. Oh yes, I'm not really allowed to reveal that, but as uh, as the series develops, you'll you'll it will all will be revealed. So the next question actually came from the reporter that was there for Hey You Guys, um, great film website. If you're looking for film information. By this stage in the proceedings, they were running a bit short on time, so we're only really allowing sort of one question each with some people, particularly Killian. So this is his question, and it was, how does it feel to bring the show that's based in Birmingham and bring a premiere to Birmingham? Well, it means a lot to me because, you know, we made this show for Birmingham and it's about Birmingham and obviously now it's going all over the world, but you've got to be authentic and real and I'm very proud that this, you know, the people have taken the show to their hearts and I'm very proud to be working with Steve Knight. And so, yeah, it means a lot, you know. you got to do things right. you got to, you know, put in the work. So it, it's great that people are here from Birmingham enjoying it. So the next person we got to talk to was Steve Knight, who is the writer and uh, creator of the show. Um, the first question actually, again, comes from uh, the, the reporter from Hey You Guys. And, uh, they were very generous in that we were... Uh, allowed to share questions so uh his question was how does it feel having the show on a prestigious brand like the bbc yeah i mean it does i mean the, the bbc i think is more respected around the world than it is here you know and people do uh gravitate towards it but it still depends on the quality of what you're doing and, and the reaction to the show so far in the us has been fantastic i mean stephen king tweeted the other day, which is great. I mean, you know, I think that's indicative of there is a certain level of response to this series where, and I think, you know, in Birmingham, we've got to make the most of it and do something with it. The next question I asked him was um, about how the show's constructed because it's very beautifully shot. So I wondered how much of it was real and I wondered how much of it used CGI. This was his answer. We can't afford CGI, that's the so, so it is all physical? Well, not all, but there is some. But CGI, is, is, it's not the answer because it's so expensive. Yeah. So what you need to do is find places where you can cheat a bit. But yeah. like the Black Country Museum is CGI I did wonder whether that city was because that. you don't need CGI because that's where it's there. Yeah. It yeah. It actually exists, so I it's brilliant. Yeah. Yes, that's fantastic. No, it's brilliant. And the more we do there, the better. But, you know, we've got to, uh, we've got to do more, film more stuff in Birmingham. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. 
yeah. Final person we got to talk to on the red carpet was uh, the actress Charlotte Riley. She plays a new character in the second season. Um, you may also know her from the TV show World Without End. Um, she was also in Edge of Tomorrow as well. I want to know a bit more about the character she's playing on the show. I'm playing a character called Mae Carlton, who is um, of aristocratic blood. Yes. <laughs> bit of posh totty. No, um, it's just so funny being northern and getting cast as, as what we call posh. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, and she meets uh, Thomas Shelby um, at a horse fair because they're expanding their business and, and they meet and become incredibly intrigued by each other from the first, first glance. And then it proceeds from there, shall we say. Ah, you might be the aforementioned love interesting. <laughs> <laughs> OK. <laughs> so, um, your, uh, how, how does it feel to be joining such a, a, a well-received series? It's fantastic. <laughs> Just so glad they'd have me. No, um, yeah, I, I watched the first series back to back to back to back to back and it was just like chocolate for my for my brain it was amazing um did, just didn't want it to end really and um having watched that and uh, uh, and just been so inspired by it because it was so different and fresh and new um obviously there was the opportunity to audition for the for the second series and i just jumped at the chance so. cool and what are you doing next I don't know if I'm allowed to say what I'm doing next. Actually, this week I'm, I'm doing a short film with Brian Cox um, called Killing Time, which will be great fun. And then I'm going to America to do a film, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure whether I'm allowed to say what that is yet. I'm keeping out of trouble. Put it that way. <laughs> so that's it for the red carpet interviews. Um, the next section of the podcast is the uh, Q&A session, which took place after we'd uh, seen the show. So this is about half an hour long. It was introduced by uh, the broadcaster, Andrew Collins. Take a listen. I hope you enjoy it. Um, forgive me if I tell you information about them you already know, because it seems only fair uh, to read their CVs out. Uh, Stephen Knight, Steve Knight, who uh, you probably all know, he's a kind of local hero, as indeed he should be. Uh, an incredibly prolific writer. <coughs> if he only did this, that would be enough, wouldn't it? But he does films, Lock, which has come out this year, a terrific film, uh, which he also directed. He's written so many films. Um, he, he, his next film, which is called Porn Sacrifice, about Bobby Fischer, the uh, famous chess match. Uh, it's coming out, I guess, next year, Steve, but it's, uh, it's just premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, it's not about porn. Um, he's going to be here, which is amazing anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised he isn't just carried shoulder height through the West Midlands whenever, whenever he's here. Uh, we'll also have Cole McCarthy, the director not just of that episode, but all six of the episodes in this series. Uh, tremendous show, visually, and everything about it is so great, so it'd be nice to have him. You're not supposed to tap yet, you're supposed to wait till I uh, get to the end of all of them. Um, so there's no hierarchy. Ella McCrory is also here, fantastic episode to have Ella McCrory, that one. So it's really nice that she's here. Uh, she's, uh, she's played Lady Macbeth on stage, she's played Sherry Blair in two films, but that's the part, isn't it? That's the part. That's the part you want. Uh, which leads me on to the final of our four, Killian uh, Murphy, who is... <laughs> Let's not be coy. He's a film star. <laughs> and yet again, television has lured a film star. And if it's that good, they will come. 
There are so many people who do films that are finding their best work on television in long-form drama, and he's one of them. And uh, I've, I've met him before. He's a very quiet gentleman. doesn't like all this showbiz nonsense. So be kind to him. Be kind to all four as they come up now, please. Steve, Helen, Colm, and Keith. Here we are sitting on seats, IKEA, I think. Um, so let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. Um, I'm sure many of you know the genesis of uh, of the show, but uh, Steve, if you could just tell us literally the very first twinkling of an idea for this show, how far back do we go? Uh, a long way back. I mean, this started with stories from my parents, and specifically one. I mean, my mom um, worked as a bookies runner when she was nine years old. Um, for in Small Heath, so there was a there was a big uh, illegal gambling, off-track betting thing in Birmingham in most cities. But they used to use children to to take the bets because they were less likely to be um, arrested. So, and then I heard stories from my dad about his uncles who were Peaky Blinders, and the, one particular story where he said his dad told him to take. A message to that they were called the Sheldons, the family, not the Shelbys. Um, and he, he was barefoot, ran through the streets. He was 10 years old. He knocks on the door, the door opens, the cigarette smoke. And he said there was sort of like a group of men sitting around a table covered in money, totally covered in money. The men are dressed immaculately, their shoes are shining, they've got guns and they've got razors, and they're drinking beer out of jam jars <laughs> because they wouldn't spend money on cups or glasses. It was just sort of like a, an image of a group of people who'd come back from the war and they were pretty reckless and daring and they were gangsters. And I just thought, what, why has this never been done as a drama? And, and it is true that, that, that Birmingham is not on screen in, in fiction as much as it ought to be, considering how big and important a city it is. You know, that you get plenty of stuff uh, set in Manchester and yeah. London and, and other cities. Um, why is that, really, seriously? I think Brum is... <laughs> tend to not want to get carried away, you don't want to go too far, you don't want to be an idiot, you don't want to, you know, all of that stuff that we do and we don't want to um, show off, we don't want to do all of those things and it's great that that's the case and also not caring if people like us or not, who cares, you know, it's fine. But it's just a show, I think, particularly now when there's all this talk about London needing to be balanced by other conurbations because London's so powerful and suddenly Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds are all saying well that's us, they know we're the second city. But it's nice, but it's Birmingham, so Birmingham should be therefore it's up to people in Birmingham to make to do stuff and, and make stuff and I just think if anything comes of this uh, of any value it would be that people are not cringing when they make stories about things from their local area, because there's no reason. It's the same as Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia. It's a big industrial city with a fantastic history, and people should just make stories now. Can I um, ask, ask you, Cole, um, you, like the rest of us, you watched the first series go out as a viewer, uh, and now you're, you've not got a mic. I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's warmer than all the others. Um, you, so you've watched this program. 
yeah. which is already the sonnet we did. And uh, now, you know, we've done the whole of this series. And the, the first one was done by two directors, Otto Bathurst and um, Tom Harper. But you've had the, the, the gift of doing the whole thing. And you're actually still, obviously, still working on it right now. <laughs> so you shouldn't be here, really. <laughs> so how, how was that? I mean, to, to go, you know, to actually be launched into this thing which already exists, visually it sort of exists as this kind of epic cinematic show and you were you were gifted with the whole series well i suppose it's an unusual show in the, in a lot hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ways, it's more like there's a lot of chat at the moment about American TV and British TV and the differences and the similarities, and a lot of it is nonsense, but there's some elements of truth in it. And one of the things in Brit in American drama is that it does what TV does better than film, which is tell really long, huge, sprawling, epic tales. And as soon as I heard about that Steve was writing all the ones this series, and I'd seen the first series and loved what Otto and Tom did with it, I could see that there was that this was going to be something that was not just going to be, we'll do, you know, the A-team light, we'll do like the same story about the Peaky Blinders, go and have this adventure every week, but rather it's going to tell some huge, epic, mythic tale that comes from Steve's heart and all of that. I thought that's, I mean, it was a really simple decision to want to do it because I'm just incredibly lucky to get to, as a director to do that because people aren't making those kind of shows here. And I think that this is not just something... It should be like, you know, people of Birmingham should be proud to see their city represented that way, but they should be very proud of Steve in terms of what he's doing in British television and no one else is doing like that. When you're, when you're watching it, I mean, you know, I already think this, when you're watching it, you just think nothing else is as good as this while you're actually watching it. That's the, that's the feeling I get. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of other people agree. Yeah. It's like, this is the best ever. Um, no matter where it's set, it's, you know, just generally it's, it's, it's high quality stuff. It's the ceiling of the you remember reading the start of the script the first time you saw it? Yes, I do. Um, I, I, and it was the it was a it was kind of an absurd title. I really didn't understand what it meant, and I, um, and I had absolutely no context for it. Other than knowing Steve's work, uh, you know, as a writer, which I admi had admired for, for many years, but I had no context at all. I didn't know it was about Birmingham. I didn't know it was about gangs. I didn't. I didn't know anything about it. And then I read the first two episodes, and I was completely um, taken in by it. It was just extraordinary. The confidence of the writing, uh, and also the the, the the character, you know, it was one of those characters that comes along for an actor. I think once in a lifetime, you just got it. Just really chase it. So, so yeah, I really, I really chased it, and um, feel really lucky to be here. And uh, the first thing we got to see you do in the first episode was ride into town on a horse to Nick Cave, which that's that's a good entrance, isn't it? It's a pretty, it's a pretty great entrance, you know. Um, and I think that, that that's another thing about Steve's writing. You know, it's like um, obviously it's about Birmingham, it's about 
this city, but but you know he's taking from the the, the, the it's not uninfluenced by you know John Ford and you know the stranger walking into town, and in this case riding into town on you know bareback and a horse, and they're very powerful influences, and they make sense cinematically or. Because I do think when you when I watch it up there tonight, I go, wow, this looks like a film. You know? <laughs> uh, and that's what we've been aiming for. I think Colm certainly has, and with Tom and Otto in the first series, that's certainly what we've been aiming for. So yeah, it, it was big themes, big characters, and uh, it, just a great privilege to be involved. Can I ask uh, the same question as you, Helen? That the uh, the first time you read Polly. How, how your reaction to reading Polly for the first time? Uh, my reaction to reading Polly for the first time is I hadn't read um, anyone like her before in a television script. When I started to read, you know, I was in episode one, and then you know, I read more and more, and understood the demographic and the world that you were talking about. I and talked to Otto and talked to Steve and realised you can't really write a series about working class Birmingham after the First World War without writing a strong woman. Um, just walking down in the last 15 minutes on the red carpet and seeing a amount of women that asked their husbands to take the photograph of us <laughs> tell them it was out of focus to take it again and don't put their handbag down. I've got more scripts for series three. I've had the best notes I've had all evening. And Steve told me he couldn't write it without his Auntie Betty stroke, Auntie Polly stroke. He's known all these women. And uh, I met them tonight. You're absolutely right. They're terrifying. <laughs> and you, you played, uh, you know, in, in Lady Macbeth and Sherry Blair, you played the kind of power behind the throne. But it's not the power behind the throne in this, because she, even though Tommy has ultimate veto, she has a kind of power over them. That, that, she, that is she champions Tommy. I mean, she champions Tommy. He is, he is, um, he is the Peaky Blinders. Without Thomas Shelby, none of it happens. But I think it's a, a, an interesting twist in the character that Stephen has written, and then Killian has developed, that he listens to the women. There was a speech tonight and she asks him to forget a woman and start hearing again other women. But he does. You also see him walk in to a young girl who's working as a prostitute and ask her to close her eyes and type a letter. And in that letter, she types out her dreams. And Stephen has given Tommy that romance to him. But also that uh, Equality. I hope to see it in all men in Birmingham. <laughs> Steve, I know you have uh, great plans for this, and uh, you know, if uh, so, they should. If the BBC allow you to do so, you will make many more than two series of this. Um, it's great you got a second series. That that is the ultimate um, reward, isn't it? You know, you get to do more of it. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to keep doing it until the Second World War. So have Sir Thomas Shelby, and I'm not joking, I mean, I think there's a, there's a long precedent of people who become very respectable businessmen who began like this, you know, they began as gangsters, and, you know, the Kennedys would be a good template for the way that they work, you know, and Joe Kennedy, 
the patriarch of that began as a bootlegger. So it's taking a story like this and taking it all the way to maybe the Second World War, but just keep it going so that you can see. I mean, the ultimate question of the series for me is, can someone from this background ever escape? Can they ever become respectable? They can become rich, but in England, can you ever escape from where you're from? Will you ever be accepted? So that's the question that I hope would be asked and possibly answered in series three, four, five, or whatever. But yeah, that's what it's about. Well, let's hope, that, let's hope we get all of those, uh, those series. Um, the, the, uh, somebody's supposed to be sitting there in the and telling me when we're halfway through, uh, but I can't, there you are. It's so dark, I can't even see you. Where are we? We've got 10 minutes. It's only that I'm very keen that if, if you have questions that you, you get to say them. We've got two roving microphones. Um, can you just put your hand up if you have a question? Because I don't want to hog this. And if you have got a burning question, uh, I know you'll be shy. Although I can see some, some hands right at the back. If you just uh, wait till the uh, microphone comes. The, there's a waving hand up there. It's all right. I'll come, we'll come to you next. Um, uh, my question is for Helen. Um, I recently saw you in Medea at the National, which was incredible, and obviously you trained at Drama Centre. I was wondering what your advice for young actresses in training would be. To, to whether to train or not to train? Like, in, currently in training, what your advice um, would be? Um, I think it's, 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 it, it's very hard to... Um, avoid what a lot of agents will ask you to do, which is to get your name out there as quickly as possible. I was really lucky to work with a man called Julian Belfridge, who took me and Daniel Day-Lewis as his last two clients, and his best advice to me when I was offered a lead um, um, in a film, and I was so excited, and I came home and went, I got it, and I phoned Julian and went, I got it, and he went, you can't do it. And I went, why? And he said, because we don't know if you can act yet. <laughs> and if you can't act, it's going to take me about seven years to get you another fucking job. <laughs> so, practice. I I'm still practicing. And, um, and uh, just, you know, the more you practice, the more you get to work with people who can edit you better. <laughs> Thank um, you. But, yeah. There's another waving hand about two rows back. You can act, Helen. So <laughs> <laughs> so Hi, um, my question's for Killian. Do you prefer playing good characters or bad characters? And what one do you think Tommy Shelby is? Um, well, that's a good question, I think. Um, I, 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 um, I guess I'm attracted to good writing and not bad writing. Um, uh, no, I'll elaborate on that. I am really attracted to, I think we're all contradictions walking around, you know. I think none of us are the square-jawed hero, none of us are the nefarious villain. I think we're all mixtures of e each other. And, and I think that what's kind of compelling about Tommy as a character is that you know, some of his actions you wouldn't probably sanction, but you know, you want to spend time with him um, because he's compelling and he's just sort of a real human being. And although, uh, you know, you know, I think his goals are probably noble. I don't think probably the the routes that he takes to achieve those goals are necessarily noble. But I think that you know, uh, it's very very interesting to spend time with a character like that. Um, 
I don't know, I, I, the, all the characters I've been interested in drama, in novels, in literature, they, they've always been sort of complex and multi-layered and, um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It, it, for me it's not about good and bad, it's just about humanity. And that's what Steve Knight writes so beautifully. Thank you. There's a hand, hand waving at the back there. I'd like to ask all of you, how did it feel to be able to watch it as we watched it? And was there anything that surprised you about our reaction? That's good. Um, Steve, I, I was sitting next to you and you, you were kind of laughing. <laughs> that, that was good. You can, always, you can normally tell if something's working, people are laughing in the right place. Because <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a noise, so you can tell. Um, but no, it was great to... to but seeing it on a big screen is, is the thing, you know, and seeing how... Fantastic! It looks that's a tribute to all of the performances and to Colin. It's brilliant, beautiful. Were you actually nervous before seeing it on the screen? I've seen it before, so I was pretty confident. But um, <laughs> but the the big screen sometimes finds you out. But it didn't do that tonight. What about you, Colin? Uh, I don't think there were surprises really. There's definitely a relief that you know it's like you know not shit. <laughs> One signed off, you don't have to think about that. I feel thing. more like encouraged to go and finish the other five. <laughs> How about you, Killian? Oh, um, no, it was great. I mean, it's, it is it is extraordinary to, 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 to see something like that, and and you, you recognize all the work that everybody else has put in. Like, we've all done it, but you know, the, the sound and the grading and the Everything else, all the post-production that happens to make us look cool and sexy is, you know, takes a lot of time. But no, I'm, I'm really, really proud of it. I think the performances tonight were amazing. That seance scene with Helen McCrory, my God. Yeah, hats off. <laughs> hats off. And did you, did you, do you enjoy what, watching your own work, Helen? Because not, not, not all actors do actually enjoy seeing themselves. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I'm going to go, I, 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 I uh, it was fantastic to watch it on the big screen, and I, I think I only saw it for the first time about three days ago, really late at night. I came back from a job and watched it, and for me, what, I th uh, what I'm really looking, because I've only seen this one, and I haven't seen the rest of the five, well, clearly, because Colin hasn't finished it. <laughs> right, we've got to get him home. And, um, but what I think he achieved in this, and what I thought was it, well, one of the things I think he achieved in it, what was exciting to watch, is suddenly Steve has written, everybody's on edge. And that moment that Tommy stands up and looks around in the gang in London and starts shouting, those who are last will be fur. It's like it's clockwork orange. It suddenly goes on to a different level. And, um, and, and I think and, and the timing, the confidence to take, for instance, that scene with the... With the, with the, I'm not going to say who it is, with the Irish people, whoever they will be, you will find out, and, and the confidence of just sitting there and watching sweat drip off people, I think it's become a much, it's become a much um, harsher, more sophisticated, darker world, and uh, as a performer, I'm very grateful to watch that. I totally agree. I love that bug here. <laughs> <laughs> no, Arthur was fantastic in that one as well, I mean. I get wound up being in London as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, he's, yeah, I love his hair particularly.
Um, uh, how much time have we got? One more question, right? Okay, so whoever asks the next question has to be the best one. So um, just keep your hand up if yours is the best question. Um, there are two down the front here. Can we get down the front? Oh, well, you're in charge. You... Hi there. Um, congratulations to all of you. Thank you very much you know, for a superb series last year. And um, we're all anticipating great things. And if that was anything to go by, well done, guys. My question is to Stephen. Peaky Blinders is based on an element of truth, as you said, or what happened. Was the temptation to actually start to put some truthful events into the series that really did happen? And one of the ones I want to know, what exactly is truth with some of the crimes that they committed? For example, in series one, did they really rob the BSA factory in Brum? Well, the BSA factory used to get robbed on a regular, regular <laughs> basis, so it's based on many, many uh, such events. But I think the important thing is to, um, you know, if you, if you take, um, for example, the Western, the way the Americans did, you know, that's the story of 19th century agricultural labourers who work with cows. <laughs> and they do that with it, you know what I mean? They take that fact that reality and then make the Western with all of its chivalry and weirdness and greatness and all of that. And I think that the, the, the thing that is important to do is to not be um, embarrassed about taking events. I mean, the events are themselves are amazing. I mean, the Brummagen Boys and Billy Kimber and all of that stuff and the fact that the, in the 1920s, the Birmingham racetrack gangs were the ones who were predominant and they did go to London and they did take over and they took over all the racetracks. That's the fact. And you can take that and then weave a fiction around it and just hold hands with history if you want and, and go in that direction. But don't feel uh, embarrassed about making it relevant to everything and to other issues, which is what, um, you know, as I say, the Americans do and anybody who's writing fiction you take the specific and the local and you make it universal is the point, is the attempt anyway, that's what you try to do I think and you know sometimes you do put a real event in and the characters that Tom is going to meet through the rest of the series are real people, Darby Sabini was a real person, uh, Alfie Solomons was a real person and they were incredible larger than life characters, not necessarily sympathetic but if you take those sort of points of reference and then lead the story through it you don't, I don't think you have to, uh, and uh, the fact is that people say what really happened, what really didn't happen. You read historical accounts of what Birmingham was like in the 20s and it's one thing. You read archived Birmingham Evening Mail and it's totally different. Archived Birmingham Evening Mail is full of incredible events and actions and oppression and crime and all sorts of stuff. That's what really happened. So. You know, anybody who says, oh, we, historically that began then and it ended then and that was then, it's not true. The truth is what happened. And the truth is what your parents and grandparents did. Time, time has been, as it's about to happen. Um, but before you applaud in one big block, so just hang on. First of all, you'll be applauding yourselves because you, the people, uh, obviously what make these things successful. You show it your love and uh, the love is returned. I can promise you from this end. Um, you'll also be applauding all the other people who are involved in the show who aren't sitting up here. Some of them are here, some of them are not. Uh, and I mean, right, don't start yet. 
from the crew through to people you don't see, people you never see, but their names come up at the end. They're all involved, so you'll be applauding them and yourselves. Don't feel bad about that. Uh, but specifically, let me say all their names. Thank you for coming, and, and you'll be applauding Helen and Killian and Cole and Steve Knight. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.